Well, have you ever been angry with God? Ever been unhappy with His ways? Disappointed in His handling of some situation in your life or in the world? Ever doubted His wisdom or His goodness or His power? Well, if so, you're not alone. Most of the great leaders and followers of the Bible struggled with God at some point along the way. If faith is fundamentally a relationship with God, then like all relationships, conflict is inevitable. And even the people you are nearest and dearest to in this world, you have trouble with sometimes. So why should we be surprised when we struggle with God? In fact, chances are some of us are struggling with God even today. In the book of Jonah, we meet a mature believer, a seasoned servant who had a problem with God, a serious problem with God, so serious that he tried to run away from it, tried to put as much distance as he could between himself and the God he was unhappy with. But God would not let him get away with it. He cared too much for Jonah to let him go without a fight. And so in the final chapter, chapter 4, God and Jonah have a showdown at the I'm not okay corral. <laughs> the gloves come off and they have it out. And when the dust settles, we get a glimpse into Jonah's heart and our own. That's not very flattering. But we learn something about God's heart that gives us great hope. So let's go one more time to this little book of Jonah. We're going to be in chapter 4 this morning. Thanks to Pastor Robert from Watertown for bringing our message last week. Uh, Karen and I were down in Florida welcoming our second granddaughter into the world, Nora Lynn. So we are happy about that. I'm thankful, thankful for all your prayers and encouragement. Well, a quick summary before we kind of get into today's story to catch us all up. Jonah is a prophet in 8th century Israel. And he's been called to go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Now Jonah is not happy about that call. He hates the Ninevites and wants nothing to do with them. So he finds a ship headed in the other direction, gets on board that ship and sails for Tarshish. But God finds him, obviously, sends a storm to that ship, and Jonah ends up being thrown overboard into the stormy seas. God sends a great fish to swallow Jonah up and give him a chance to rethink his decision. In the belly of the whale, Jonah repents and, and decides to get back on mission with God. So he finds his way to Nineveh, uh, preaches for one day in the streets of that city, and revival breaks out. And the whole city repents. So God relents from the judgment He's going to send. He spares the city. And so it looks like a wonderful ending for everybody. The mission is a success. The city is spared. God is glorified. And everybody's happy. Except Jonah. Let's pick it up. Verse 1. Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, 
a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Well, what exactly does Jonah have to be angry about? Well, a few things, actually. First of all, his, his comfortable life in Israel has been rudely interrupted by this call. Things were going great for Jonah before this call to go to Nineveh. Then there's the three-day bivouac in the belly of the whale. And my guess is that puts you in a pretty foul mood. And now he's been made to look like a fool. He marches through the city proclaiming that God's going to bring judgment, and then God decides not to judge. So a prophet's job is to be right. His reputation has been ruined. But what Jonah is most angry about is that God has shown compassion to the Ninevites. Before we're too hard on Jonah, let's remind ourselves that the, the Assyrians, the Ninevites, are, are, are notoriously wicked and bloodthirsty people. Jonah wants nothing to do with them. They were hell-bent on Israel's destruction. And one of Jonah's fears is that if God lets the Ninevites off the hook this time, it's only a matter of time before they come back around to their wicked ways and threaten Israel again. And as it turns out, those fears were not unfounded. So as far as Jonah is concerned, yes, he has some things to be angry about. But now let's step aside from Jonah's story for a minute and come back to our own stories. We've been learning in this series, and all year really, that we are all called to go. That God calls everyone to join Him on His mission in this world. And that mission is to save humanity from the effects of sin and to put things right in this world. To restore people to a right relationship with God, with each other, and with this world that He has made. And God calls every one of us in some unique way to contribute to that mission, to align our lives with His heart. Every aspect of our lives, our personality, our passion, our skill, our experience, our work life, our home life, everything in line with God's call on our lives to do something distinctive. So we're each called in some unique way to be on mission in a particular time and place and people. In our grassroots video a few moments ago, we heard from several folks in our congregation who have heard and answered God's call to mission in their lives. And God has found them in a variety of life circumstances, a, a, a family crisis, a, a child with special needs, a season of unemployment, uh, an empty nest, an awakening to injustice, all kinds of circumstances. And, and God has spoken to these folks in a variety of ways, sometimes through the Scripture, sometimes through a pastor's invitation, a nudge from a spouse or a child, circumstances, the whisper of the Holy Spirit, God even used Google to call one of those women into her life's work. And every one of those people, in one way or another, has said yes to that call. And, and, and God is doing amazing things in them and through them. So the purpose of grassroots ministries here at Grace is to help you hear and answer God's call on your life and perhaps connect with others who share a similar calling. But what happens when God calls you to something you really don't want to do? Something difficult, something risky, something uncomfortable, something like Jonah experienced. Well, that happened to me some 15 years or so ago. 
God interrupted a very happy life I was living. I was happily pastoring a growing church. My family, my kids were doing well. Karen had just gotten her career back on track again. We were living in a newly renovated home and in a part of the country, Metro New York, where I'd grown up and was very comfortable and familiar. And so when I got a letter from the search committee at Grace Chapel to consider becoming the pastor here, I didn't even answer it. I just hoped if I ignored it, it would just go away. <laughs> I underestimated the tenacity of our search committee chairman <laughs> who tracked me down. And uh, when I told him I wasn't interested, he said, how can you say you're not interested when you haven't even seen the place? So I came up for a visit, had a very nice lunch, a tour of the church and Lexington and went home and a couple weeks later sent a letter saying, thanks but no thanks, we're happy where we are. Well, he didn't give up. He contacted me again and said, how can you say you're not interested when your wife hasn't even seen the place? <laughs> so, we came up again. This time, had an even nicer dinner and a stay at the Boston Hyatt downtown. Again, a lovely tour. Went home, sent a letter. Thanks, but no thanks. We're happy where we are. Now, there are all kinds of factors at play in that whole decision, but the bottom line is that I was afraid. I was afraid of what might happen to this church that I had been serving all those years. I was afraid of wrecking my kids' lives as they came into their teenage years. Mostly, I was afraid of failure. I knew how to pastor a church of 500 in a place I knew like the back of my hand. But how do you lead a church of a couple of thousand in a place I know nothing about? Now, Boston's not quite Nineveh, but I wasn't sure I wanted to preach to Red Sox fans. <laughs> we were so comfortable where we were and so afraid of what we were being called to, we said no three times to that call. And it literally took a storm to get me out of that boat, but that's another story. Now, I want to be clear just about a couple things. First of all, God doesn't generally call us to things we don't like. I know we have this fear, but generally speaking, God calls us to things we were made for, things that are in line with our passion, our personality, our experience, and our relationships. And secondly, God doesn't often call us to leave something. Most of the time, God's calling us to stay right where we are, doing what He's already put in front of us. So God doesn't usually call us to things we don't like, and He doesn't often call us to leave. But sometimes, every once in a while, God calls us to something difficult, something risky, something uncomfortable. And He does that not only for the sake of the mission, but for the sake of our souls. He does it to gain access to our hearts, to uncover what's going on there and bring some healing and transformation so that our hearts are aligned with his, hearts, his heart. But whenever that happens, it always involves a struggle. So let's keep going in the story, verse 5. Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade to his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. So here's Jonah. He preaches in the streets for one day, 
The city repents, but he still doesn't know what God's going to do. Like he's still hoping that God will keep his word and destroy the city. So he gets out of town as quick as he can, finds a comfortable perch up in the hills, and builds himself a skybox <laughs> where, where he can just watch the action. And then to his delight, God causes a vine to grow that provides him with some shade from the heat of the day. All he needs is a cold drink and a Fenway Frank, and he's good to go. I mean, and for the first time in the book, Jonah is happy. He's very happy. He's done his job. He's got a ringside seat, and hopefully his enemies are about to get what's coming to them. But then things take an uncomfortable turn for Jonah. Verse 7. At dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. Now this is the Jonah we've come to know and love, right? He's so angry, he'd rather die than go along with God's way of doing things. Now, anger is a very revealing emotion. Now, there are things that are worth getting angry about, but I have learned when a person's anger is out of proportion to the cause, it usually means there's something else going on. Something's wrong inside. And that's what's happening here. Something is very wrong on the inside with Jonah. Jonah's chief concern, his only concern really, is his own safety and comfort. As long as he is safe and secure with the shade over his head, he doesn't care what happens to anybody else. As long as his people are okay with God, he doesn't care what God does to any other people. Jonah's anger provides us with an angiogram of his heart, and it's not a pretty picture. Fear, doubt, hate, and plain old selfishness. You see, when God calls us to mission, it's not just about the mission. It's about our hearts. Remember we said a couple of weeks ago that God wants our heart more than He wants our help. And so He calls us to mission. He calls us to challenging, difficult things sometimes to expose what's going on inside our hearts, to gain access to it. So what's in your heart? What's keeping you from answering God's call? Why are you struggling with God these days? We heard this week from uh, Andrew Breton. He's our director of middle school ministries, and he is on assignment at Nairobi Chapel in Kenya from January until June. So it's a big deal. He's left home, he's left his friends, he's left his ministry, flourishing ministry here at Grace to go be an intern in a place he hardly knows anything about. As you can see, he's having some unique experiences while he's there. <laughs> but he is having some tough experiences as well. Listen to a few lines from a letter he sent just this past week. I knew from the beginning that this would be a stretching experience. As I look back through my journal before arriving in Nairobi, I can honestly say I was afraid. When life is easy, you can fall into temptation to depend on yourself. In many ways, I was too comfortable in this past year at Grace. 
I think God called me into this experience to shuffle the deck of my soul and teach me a greater dependence on Him. I experienced a difficult two weeks of culture shock in February. I felt alone and anonymous. But I think it was necessary for me to go through this experience and learn humility. I think God is ridding me of my pride and dependence on self. In the States, I run to people to comfort me. In this place, I really only have Jesus. It's almost as if these six months away are designed as a special bonding experience with Christ. God wants our hearts more than He wants our help. And so He calls us to mission in order to bond, to bind our hearts to His, to align our hearts with His. If we could talk to any of the folks from that grassroots video, they would tell you a very similar story about God's calling, about confronting their weaknesses and fears and inadequacies, and about discovering how very near and present God is to them through this whole experience. And that's what God wants to do in all of our hearts, to bring us closer to Himself. But Jonah is resisting that mightily. So finally, in verse 10, God brings the hammer down. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? And here we see the disconnect between God's heart and Jonah's heart. Jonah's heart is all about himself and his people. God's heart is for the whole wide world, even people who are far, far from him. Think about all the grace that Jonah has received so far from God. He's been rescued from drowning. He's been given a second chance. He's been given success on his mission. He's been given shade from the heat of the day. Jonah has gladly received all this grace from God. He just doesn't want to share it with anybody else, least of all the Ninevites. If God starts showing grace to, to Ninevites, to Assyrians, well, what might that mean for Israel? Well, weren't they his chosen people? So you see all these things coming to the surface. But this really is why we all struggle with God's call. Because in the end, we're afraid. Afraid that if we answer the call, we might be risking our own happiness, our own comfort, the relationships we already know and have and love. We're somehow afraid that if we extend grace to others, there might not be enough for us. Did I mention I have a new granddaughter? <laughs> I thought so. Interesting thing at home, her, her three-year-old sister, Lainey, is getting used to a new reality. So as my daughter was tucking her into bed the other night, uh, Lainey said, how come you spend so much time with that baby instead of me? And there's a little bit of that fear in all of us. If, if we start extending grace to all, everyone else, well, what about us? What about our needs? And in the end, that's why I was afraid to answer that call to Grace Chapel. I was afraid of what might happen to that church that I had served all those years. I was afraid about what happened to my, my, my kids spiritually and socially if we yanked them out at such a tender time. And most of all, I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to do the job. And what would failure look like in front of all those people? 
I mean, could I really trust God with all those things? Well, you see what I'm getting at. We're afraid to answer the call to mission because we're afraid we might get so far out there that we're beyond the reach of God's goodness and grace. But that's exactly why God calls us, to expose what's going on there and to reveal himself to us. So instead of going to the great city, we retreat to the foothills or the suburbs. We build shelters for ourselves so that we're comfortable and cared for. And we distance ourselves from needy people and difficult places. One commentator puts it this way. Jonah's anger was not marked by outbursts of rage, but by a quiet withdrawal from the company of others and a growing preoccupation with his own life. And isn't that how it happens with us? When, when, when we're not happy with God, we don't storm off in a huff. We just quietly pull back a bit from Him and from His work. We get busy with our own lives, our own people, our own things, our own stuff, and we just let everyone else go their way. It happens to individuals and it happens to whole churches. I was part of a, of a good and thriving church once many years ago. The leaders of the church sensed that God was calling the church to be more intentional about reaching out to people who were far from God, people who weren't in church yet. So after some prayer and research and strategizing, they came up with some ideas to help make the church more welcoming, more effective in reaching those who were still outside the church. Things like the adding a third service to provide more seats for people, changing the format of the worship a little bit so that people who weren't used to church could feel comfortable changing the name of the church because everybody agreed that in that particular community, the name of that church was a real barrier to people even darkening the door. But when the leaders presented these ideas to the congregation, the congregation pushed back mightily. Won't a third service mean more work for everybody? And what if my friends start going to a different service than I go to? And, and we like the worship the way it is. Why do we have to change it? And do we really have to change the name of our church for people who don't even go here yet? When, when the leaders tried to remind some of those folks that these very same things were stumbling blocks to them on their journey to faith, you know what the people said? Well, we had to get used to it. Why can't they? You see what's happening? Completely losing their sense of mission. They were more concerned about themselves and their needs and their preferences and their church than they were about those who were not yet, out, not yet part of it. And it led to a real storm in the life of that church. And I know because I was the pastor. And it was that storm God used in part to get me out of the boat and in a new direction. When church becomes so comfortable that we don't want to leave its shade and go out on mission, our hearts are no longer aligned with God's hearts. When we distance ourselves from needy people and difficult problems, we distance ourselves from God Himself because that's where His heart is. A pastor named Colin Smith has written a wonderful little book about Jonah that was helpful to me in this series. I'm excited about that because Colin is going to be our speaker at Camp of the Woods this summer for the week that we're the Grace Chapel week up there. But he tells the story of a monk 
who devoted his whole life to seeking God's presence in prayer. He would go to the chapel every day and ask the Lord to appear to him personally. And one day, to his surprise, the Lord himself appeared. There was Jesus standing before him. And the monk was so excited. This is the moment he'd been waiting for. He had so many questions to ask, so many things to say. But at that very moment, there was a knock on the door of the monastery. And the monk knew who it was. It was a beggar from town who every day made his way up to the monastery and knocked on the door to beg for food. And so now the monk was faced with an agonizing decision. Would he leave the Lord's presence to go give food to the beggar? Or would he stay with the Lord, figuring the, the beggar would probably come back tomorrow? Well, he made his decision. Reluctantly, but slowly and deliberately, he left the Lord's presence and went to the door and gave the beggar the food. He returned to the chapel with great sorrow, fearing he had missed his chance to be with the Lord. But he discovered to his surprise that the Lord was still there waiting for him. He was overcome with awe and gratitude. And the Lord said to him, If you had not gone, I would not have stayed. If you had not gone, I would not have stayed. Those of us who want to enjoy God's presence in our lives, the best way to experience that is to go out on mission with him. When we resist God's call, we forfeit God's presence. The call to mission is a call to maturity in Christ. The best way to go deeper in our faith is to reach wider with Him. If you had not gone, I would not have stayed. And that's what the Lord wants for us. He wants a bonding experience. He wants our hearts to be fully aligned with His. And so He calls us to mission to gain access to those hearts. So when we answer God's call, we don't have to be afraid. God's grace is more than enough to meet our needs, the needs of those we love and care about, and the needs of a great and needy world. In fact, that's our final lesson from this book of Jonah. When God calls, don't be afraid. His grace is greater than we can possibly imagine. Remember those things I was so afraid of in answering the call to grace? I was afraid of what might happen to the church if I left. Well, you know what happened? Eventually, they added a third service and changed the worship format and changed the name of the church and even started a second campus. And they now are reaching and serving more people than they ever were when I was there. God's grace was more than enough for that church. Remember how worried I was about my kids moving them at such a tenuous time. It was a tenuous time, and it was difficult for a year or two. But they are all walking with God today, going to church, and doing good things with their lives. And they will all say that the move and Grace Chapel were a part of God's work of shaping their character and their faith. God's grace was more than enough for my family. And my fear of being in over my head, that was very well-founded. <laughs> I wasn't over my head. But that is exactly where I needed to be. For God to do a fresh work of humbling and retooling and rebuilding and re-strengthening me for this new thing. And by God's grace and your faithfulness, 
God has done more in these 14 years than we ever could have asked for or imagined. I thank God every day for His call and His faithfulness and His grace. So, so what are you afraid of? What's keeping you from answering God's call on your life? He might be calling you to something new and bold and daring. He might be calling you just to stick at what, he's, what you're doing already. Maybe he's calling you to go on a missions trip this summer for the very first time. Sacrifice the time and the vacation money and go. Maybe he's calling you to help launch that East Lexington campus. Maybe he's calling you to start or join one of these grassroots ministries. Maybe he's calling you to serve in Kidstown or student ministries or any place else you're already serving. Whatever it is, wherever it is, I can assure you that if you answer that call, God's grace will be more than enough for you and your family and the work He wants to do through you. As wonderful as all these years have been that we have shared together, I fully believe that God has much more to do in us and through us in years to come. So let's continue to answer that call to mission, believing that God's grace for us and others is greater than we could ever possibly imagine. Let's pray. Once again, Lord, we have been found by this story, by your word. Our own fears and doubts and struggles have been exposed, but we're glad for that opportunity, glad for this time and place, for these people, this community in which we can be honest with ourselves and with you. We confess our struggle and our fear and our doubt, and we ask for healing and transformation and renewal. We pray, Lord, in these next few moments as we gather around your table, you might speak to us that we might hear again your call and answer. In Jesus' name, amen.